Hello, everyone, and welcome to Petite to Queen's Claim Your Career Crown podcast. I'm your host, Lynn, and today I am so excited. We've got a great conversation in store for you. And I'm joined by our VP of Operations, Amanda, and our wonderful, wonderful guest, Misty Lynch. So just to let you know, Misty is a certified financial planner, and she's passionate about her commitment to help her clients handle their finances with confidence. Um, when she isn't writing and educating about finances, she enjoys reading, learning, and taking courses. All right. And she also loves to watch baking championship shows. I think there's a story there. Uh, making food for her toddlers, um, who apparently they won't eat it. <laughs> uh, petting all the dogs, uh, 90s music, and one day she wants to be on Jeopardy. Wow, that's an yeah. incredible aspiration. Um <laughs> You, you what a dynamic bio. So uh, today, uh, everyone, you this is really an important discussion. We're going to be talking about how women can make better financial choices, both individually and within their relationships with others. So women, Misty, thank you so much for joining us today. We're thrilled to have you. Thank you so much. Thank you both for having me. Well, this is going to be a great conversation. And just before we get started, um, for those listeners who are joining us for the first time, you know, make sure you don't miss a single episode by subscribing to Claim Your Career Crown wherever you get your episodes. And while we're on the subject, you know, share the love and passion and click all five stars for a review. We appreciate it. All right. So let's get into this incredibly important discussion. Uh, so, Misty, um, let's just sort of talk about how you decided to become a financial planner and what made you want to help others better handle their money. Yeah, so I, I think money always fascinated, fascinated me a bit. My parents were self-employed, and for the first 10 years of my life, we had a lot of money. They had a lot of business. They worked from home. I always saw what they were doing. I saw them working. I, I would sit at my dad's desk and play business. And then um, in the early 90s, their um, their business changed, the economy changed, and um, we ended up, the business took a huge hit. So we had to move, we had to sell a lot of our things. Our lifestyle completely changed from having a nice four-bedroom house, busy parents, mom didn't work, cars, plenty of toys, to really moving into um, an apartment, basically an in-law apartment behind somebody's home in, in another town. And... Um, while I saw my father reinvent his business and continue to move forward, I always just just confused about how we could have had so much and then how it could go so quickly. Um, I like to say my parents had like a you know master's degree in making money and a PhD in spending it. <laughs> and so they really, you know, and um, but I don't think it's something that they really knew they had to do. You know, my grandparents had pensions. My grandparents were fine. They owned their home, you know, and um, you know, my my grandfather, he passed away at 59. So I don't think either of my parents were necessarily planning for a long life or retirement. And here they are in their 70s now still working and still, you know, trying to find clients and make money. So I was just obsessed with figuring out how to make money work for me instead of having to constantly be hunting and searching for a next client, keeping a job, things like that. So really just got interested in how money functions for people who have a good handle on it. Yeah, that was such a, a driving force in your life. I can see how it would become, you know, just a passion for you. 
Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think when I first, you know, I think I first, I started working as soon as I could. And I remember waiting tables one day and just, I, I made, you know, I, I wanted to make $50. So I wanted to buy a video game for my father, computer game for, for Father's Day or something. And I made, I made what I wanted because I was, you know, I couldn't control everything, but I could control the client's experience. I control how many tables I took, how fast I was, how efficient, how friendly. And I made everything I wanted to. And I was like, oh my God, this is fun. And so, you know, I really felt like early on, like making money was fun and it was just something I really wanted to do. And I wanted to um, just kind of explore that more. And so it's just been something I've always been, been fascinated by. Yeah. And you were making money by delivering value because you're making the dining experience really pleasant. Yeah. And I I saw with my parents being self-employed, they weren't telling me to go get a corporate job. They thought you put value in the world. Someone will pay you. They were always like, oh, you're going to go go to work for someone. You're going to have a boss tell you what to do. They almost thought I was a sellout when I got like a good corporate job. (laughs) And so to me, it was, yeah, you create value. You put something out there and you you help somebody either solve a problem, make things easier or better. And you get paid for it. And that's how that's how money just was supposed to work for me. So. It was, it was funny how many times I picked that up in different different jobs, but <laughs> certainly the goal. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And I think it's interesting how you talk about um, your childhood and how seeing how your family's um, financial situation changed over time really impacted you. Um, I think I can actually kind of relate to that, too, because when I was younger, my, my family was doing well financially. And then when I was in elementary school, we had some different financial struggles, and it really changed how my my uh my own family my parents and my sister like how um how we lived and it really impacted me and maybe it instilled in me um I, I really care about money ever since then and I really care about like making good financial choices so that we don't have that kind of downfall that I saw in my family yeah it's really interesting how much we see and when we're kids we just kind of respond to it where one sibling could feel like okay head in the sand when it comes to money I don't like it it's stressful I don't want to talk about it and then, you know, as people like us become like, you know, oh my gosh, this, <laughs> we've got to get a handle on this right now as children. But we do, we pick up on so many things before we're even old enough to make our own decisions about money. So it can be something that's really, really emotional and kind of, you know, worth spending some time looking at for people. Yeah, definitely. So what kind of relationships do women tend to have with money and how are these relationships formed? I think a lot of it kind of, you know, I know I tended to to look at my mom as being, you know, dependent on my father for money, stressed, more anxious than he was. He figured I can make more money. I've made it before I could figure this out where she just was kind of always um, trying to figure out how to do all the things for the kids, how to make things. And so, like, I kind of pivoted where I didn't want to be like that. So I wanted to be the breadwinner, the earner, and I went in that direction. But I think it was, you know, it was kind of expected for not too many generations ago for the woman not to make a lot of money. And so it's almost like you can make a little bit of money, you can make cute money, but not huge money or, you know, or you can't be a mother and do this. And so I think women have all these conflicting things like, but I went to school, I got a degree, I love my job, I love my kids, I want to do it all. Like, but we're just kind of convinced, like everyone's saying, oh, Nope, you can't, you can't, you can't. And so I think women are really conflicted about like what they're supposed to be with money because you're not supposed to be too confident, but you can't be too insecure either. So it's really hard. I talk to women that are all over the map 
but when they get down to it, usually they just have some like either deep rooted fears or anxieties or just these messages that they're not really facts, but they felt true because they heard them so much. Right. It's interesting. I feel like in my family, it's a little bit the opposite. Um, growing up, I feel like, um, you know, stereotypically men tend to be the breadwinners, but I feel like in my family, I've always seen the women making more than their husband did, which I always thought was interesting. And it's kind of a goal that I have to make more than my husband. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a, I, I think it's interesting how things are changing, you know, because, you know, my, um, I think, you know, my mom didn't go to college, you know, that just wasn't really on the radar um, for her. I think people ask me like what my grandmother wanted me to be when I grew up. And it was like, pretty, like that was pretty <laughs> much like her main goal was to make sure that I, you know, learned how to do makeup. Cause I mean, that was, you know, and you watch older, you watch like Bridgerton or whatever's popular now. And you're just like, oh my God, that was value was nothing to do with our, our brains or what we could produce or work. And so things it, it has it's not ancient history so yeah i think it is we kind of learn by what we see but also there's some things that are just you know kind of in our society that are just really really messed up and worth examining <laughs> yeah definitely <laughs> and i know that i was i always uh, really uh you know associated myself more with my father and um you know i uh he became one of my my first and my most important mentor um, mm -hmm. throughout his life. And uh, one of the things that, you know, I was in that position where I earned more money than when I did get married with mm -hmm. my husband, because I never bought into the whole Cinderella complex. It was that, you know, I don't need a man to be happy. Mm -hmm. I don't need to have a man to be financially uh, stable. And what's interesting though, is that uh, you, I still will have conversations with friends and uh, even family members who the women allow their their sp partners or spouses, et cetera, to manage all of the money. And I remember having this conversation with my neighbor after my husband died. And she was like, you know, she's like, I don't know where we have anything. I don't know where. And it's like going, whoa, mm -hmm. you know, and I actually managed all the finances you know, um, during my marriage, you know, yeah. <laughs> so I see that a lot. But, I see a lot of women that they'll manage the day-to-day -day spending, the the household spending, they'll know the budget from like, what's, what's here, what can be spent, but the big money, the investments, the stress, like their portfolio, the retirement, all of that, if yeah. they have enough insurance, all those things that really matter, like and all the legal documents, oh, like are their names on everything? Right. Yeah. I mean, that's a huge deal for, you know, so I, I think yeah. this really brings in this next big mm -hmm. topic. What we're really talking about is how can women improve their perspectives and relationships with money? Because that's this gap that I know I have seen um, so many times over and over. Yeah. And I think a lot of women, they'll just come to me and say, I'm a mess or I'm bad with money. And um, they just, they tell themselves that so many times they believe it's true, but it's like, well, what do you, you know, I didn't learn this in school is something that I hear a lot. And then I'll ask them what they do. And they're, you know, psychiatrists of the master's degree that they didn't learn that in high school either, but they went and figured it out. You know, there's a lot of things that, yeah, it's important. Like this is something you're going to have to handle for the rest of your life. Do you want to have to learn this when you are maybe in your seventies, maybe, you know, because most women, most women are going to be supporting themselves at some point in their life, whether it's, um, early on in their life, whether it's um, later on in their life, 
it's just statistically likely that most women are going to be making the major financial decisions for themselves. And it's like, let's learn it now because it's not that hard. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We we handle money a lot. It's not a foreign language. I mean, we, we understand it. It's just something that a lot of us feel like investing sounds complicated, you know, and uh, budgeting sounds restrictive and, you know, not fun. But it's actually like, no, when you know what you have for money, it can be very, um, it can be very empowering. It can make you feel a lot more confident. You can make better decisions if you know if you have to stay in a job you don't love or if you won't outlive your money or if something happens to somebody in your house, if your kids or your husband or wife would be taken care of. So those things, I think, can be learned. They, you can outsource it, find somebody who you know helps you do it. Or you can learn to do it yourself. Um, But it is kind of like eating an elephant. A lot of people just don't know where to begin. And it (laughs) can feel like a lot. It can feel intimidating, I think, for a lot of people. Um, I was fortunate when um, when my dad was still alive, he taught me a lot about finances because I mean he he faced a lot of financial struggles in his lifetime and he he really felt it was important to instill in me a a solid understanding of of money. And Mm -hmm. so um, he taught me that there's lessons. Unfortunately, my younger sister didn't really get those lessons, and so she struggled with certain financial situations, and um, I ended up buying her a book called Broke Millennial, and she read it, mm-hmm. and she took notes, and um, I think now she's very empowered when it comes to her yeah. finances. Yeah, and I think that could be the thing. You know, whatever you did in the past, it's it's you don't have to relive it all the time. Yeah. It doesn't yeah. define you. I mean, I'll, I can't find one person that hasn't made a financial mistake in their life, but it's also yeah. like, you know... If people are trying to eat healthy, like if you're 10 years down the road and you're where you want to be, you're probably not going to punish yourself for that, you know, cupcake you had or something. You're just not going to even think about it. But we do that with money where we, oh, we cashed out our first 401k. Like we're, we, we overspent or we racked up some credit card debt and we just should punish ourselves forever, which I think, you know, sometimes it is just like listening to a show or reading a different book or getting a different perspective to be like, okay, this doesn't have to define the rest of my life. Yeah. But I you should learn something from it. Yeah, you can make a new choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. that's so true. How do our emotions play into our financial choices? I have, you know, I, I think about this a lot because I'll have clients that'll come to me for financial planning or investing and they'll say, I want to, you know, all they want is to feel better. Ultimately, they maybe they're making good choices and they want someone to check their their work to make sure that they're on the right track. They want to feel more confident or they're lost and they're anxious or scared and they want that to go away. So feelings come into play all the time. They drive all of our actions, our thoughts and our feelings. We think it's the outside forces. We think, oh, I only make, you know, I only have, you know, $10,000 saved or I have a hundred thousand or I want to retire. It's not the dollar amount. It's how you think about it. You know, so you could think about your first job, how much you made and you were probably thrilled where that now wouldn't make you happy. The money amount didn't change, like your thoughts and your feelings did. So I think most of traditional finance pays all the attention to results and actions, and it spends no time talking about people's thoughts or feelings. And so even this year, I I, um, I went through the life coach school to get a, a coaching certification because all I was dealing with was emotions. The money was just like, okay, yeah, set that up. You keep an eye on it for me and we'll be good. But it was the feelings. It was the, should I do this? Should I buy this house? Should I make this decision? I don't want to be wrong. And so I think our emotions, I mean, 
it, to ignore them or to think that they're not driving all the actions, I think, I think is a mistake. Well, that's just so true because we're all human beings yeah. and to, you absolutely need to acknowledge and embrace that, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, how your emotions are influencing um, the choices and, uh, that you make and your mm-hmm. perspective. Oh yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people think that it's all these outside things that they should have a million dollars. They should do this. Uh, it, it, and it's like, when you ask them why there's like, I think I'd be better. I think I'd be happier if I had that. And it's not true. You can be happy right now. Like that's optional, <laughs> but I yeah. think they don't realize that it's optional every step of the way. And that you can't, you know, you can't hate yourself rich. You have to, <laughs> You know, you have to kind of be okay with who you are right now and the decisions you've made to actually really make some progress. Yeah, yeah. definitely. So one question I have about uh, have is about um, how you deal with money in terms of the relationships with people in your life. Um, what's the best way to talk about money with people like your romantic partner or your friends or your family members? Yeah, some people have a real problem talking about money because it, a lot of the, like we talked about some of the beliefs before, they think it's rude or it's impolite um, or it might make someone feel bad. But I think if you talk more about what you actually want, like the goals of the money, like if you say, you know, I want to see if we have enough insurance because I want to feel okay if something were to happen. A lot of times and people are seeing things happen now to perfectly healthy friends. Um, you know, there, there's just so much going on in the world that's like stressful that I think it's time to have a conversation. Like if you need to approach your parents about what is their plan? Is it you? <laughs> is it, you know, and I think a lot of people are like, oh, I can't talk to my friends about money, but they need to, because a lot of times they're not quite sure if, you know, their parents are fine or if they might have to support them. And I think that, you know, with our romantic partners, sometimes it's like, what do you want to do with our life together? Do you want to travel? Do you want to, you know, buy a big house? Do you want to have a family? Do you want to have pet? Like, what do you want to do? And then the money just kind of becomes the afterthought. Like, okay, well, then we need to, maybe we should set up some money to save for that. Or how much are you putting in your retirement account if you want to retire early and we travel the world together? The money kind of just becomes the tool, not the goal. Because if you're just like, oh, you don't make enough money, people are going to be like, ugh. I don't want to talk about it anymore. It makes me feel terrible instead of just being like, okay, how do we want to make the most of what we've got? Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead, Amanda. Oh yeah. I thought you were going to say something, <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think it's really important to have those conversations. Um, like with my husband, um, we decided to buy a house about a year and a half ago. And that was a big discussion that we had to have, like, what is our budget for it? And like, how are we going to make it work? And, you know, who's going to be in charge of wit of which payments, you know, with um, the mortgage and the HOA and everything else that goes into it. So, um, yeah, I think it's important to have the conversations and to make sure you're on the same page before you start making these big decisions. Yeah, because if you are on the same page, having two people with a common goal, it, you're unstoppable. Like, it's so much easier to do things if you and your partner are in agreement, where you just are like, okay, then when things come up, it's not hard to approach it because it wasn't like secretive to begin with, or you pushed them into something that they weren't ready to do. And then they resent you because then that causes all sorts of things down the road. It's way better to just have like a open dialogue and just have it be, maybe it's about the home and not the down payment or, you know, about where you want to be, things like that to kind of open up the, you know, 
the room to talk. And then you can really just, you know, set those bigger goals and keep going. And then you just kind of stack them on top of each other. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. All right. Well, that, and I know that th what we've all been talking about, and you've already touched on it, that this is a learned skill, like everything else we do. Even uh, your baking, as <laughs> you watch your baking contest, right? Or doing your own baking. Those are all learned skills. Mm -hmm. um, so what's, if you have one piece, um, one thing that you want every woman to know about money and finances, what would it be? Um, I'd say that, and not to sound like scary, but you've got to learn this. You've got to learn this now or else you're going to have to learn this when maybe you're in your 70s or your 80s and you might not have the same amount of options you have today as far as investing or income. And that if you were able to learn the skills in your job, if you were able to learn how to, you know, like cook or, or, or do any of the things that you know how to do, you can certainly learn how to manage your money. And I think that every woman should know what's coming in, what's going out, what their credit score is. And, you know, they should know some of their goals and really just kind of feel comfortable having big goals. A lot of times the goal is just to get out of debt, just to pay off the student loans. And that's not, that's going to get detracted by things that come up that are a little bit more exciting, you know, a little more fun. But if you have a big goal to like, you know, be an entrepreneur or own your own, you know, home or business or travel everywhere you want to go, those goals can be so big that when you have those decisions to, you know, shop online in the middle of the night, you might, you might think twice. You know, so I think it's really important to not be afraid to set bigger goals, even if you're in a position right now where you're in debt and you need to make some adjustments. I think it's always good to kind of look towards the future. Yeah, that is that's yeah. such really good advice. Uh, Misty, thank you so much for sharing all of these, these incredible insights um, for how women can better um, uh, handle their finances and how they can manage uh, their money within their relationships. This has just been a, a really powerful discussion. And I know our audience is going to want to know um, where they can find out more about you. Sure. Thank you. So on social media, I'm a Misty Lynch CFP on uh, Instagram, Facebook, um, Clubhouse, Twitter, and uh, Misty Lynch on, on LinkedIn. Um, and also you could go to my website, just mistylynch.com, where you can reach out to me if you have questions about investments or you want to do some financial planning. And I'm hoping to start some group um, courses or some group um, membership site for just money mindset in general, just to help more people, you know, address some of those thoughts that might be holding them back and uh, move forward and, and start to see some more success. Well, there's that entrepreneurial spirit that you inherited from your parents. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, it's funny. Once you start, it's it's really hard to stop finding ways that you can add more value, help more people. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, this has just been such an informative discussion. Thank you. Um, I I, I want to point out to our audience: if you have ideas uh, that you'd like to share, you can leave us a comment, um, or you can um, so you can share your thoughts. You can also um, send us an email um, at petitetoqueen.com, and that could include. Uh, questions or uh, suggestions for topics. You know, we do. We love to hear from you and to stay current on all of our our really insightful advice and breakthrough advantages and the wonderful resources we have. You can sign up for our weekly wisdoms newsletter at petite 
Queen.com. And thank you. Thank you. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you, Misty. Thank you, Amanda. What a great conversation.